Hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. My name is Nicholas Willie, and I am the host of Music Speaks. So first, I want to apologize. I uh, seem to have broken my microphone after last year's recording, and uh, after purchasing a new microphone, I found I did not purchase the right one, and that it didn't work with my MacBook. So without spending the extra money on an adapter, I am here using my work laptop, so hopefully the audio turns out okay. Without further ado, let's hop into today's topic. So, uh, today we're talking about a concept that is widely used in Western music, um, had a really big peak during the Baroque period, and it was founded in the 14th century, and we are talking about counterpoint today. So, a basic idea of counterpoint is mixing multiple melodic lines in a musical composition, and we see it prevalently in uh, Western music. So, the technique was founded, like I said, in the 14th century, uh, it was developed by many authors and many composers and treatises and uh, other works. Uh, so it was developed throughout history and was used extensively in the Baroque period, Bach being one of the, the masters of counterpoint, using them in preludes, inventions, and other works as well. And it's been used ever since. So the theory of counterpoint was founded at about 1330. So we'll take a little step into our uh, time travel machine and you know take a step back into the 14th century. So at this point, all they had was discant, which was an older form and an older uh, compositional technique. And then eventually counterpoint began to replace discant. So discant and counterpoint differ in certain ways. So we use interval succession theory, which is basically harmonic progressions. So the theory back in the medieval ages and, and during this time, uh, it lists the possible single progressions of an added voice for all of the usual successive intervals. So we have the consonants of a unison. We have an octave. We have a fifth. Sometimes a fourth. And so the imperfect dissonances would include a major second, a major sixth, a minor ninth, and so basically it's saying that all of these would sound good followed by a consonant. So if, let's say for instance that we have a 5, 7 to 1. So we have here, so we have a C dominant 7 going to an F major chord. So the dissonance the imperfect dissonance, so we have a minor seventh, minor seventh here going to a consonance, just the perfect fourth right there. So this was basically the theory before counterpoint was invented. So the word counterpoint comes from the word contrapunctus, um, and this word was never really used until about 1330. So the new theory of composition uh, introduced this word, and before this, all the authors had used the word discantus, which is what we just talked about, with the imperfect dissonances followed by the consonants. So this was the prominent compositional technique until counterpoint came along. So after the term counterpoint was uh, coined, the term began to be used a lot more. And some of the earliest examples of music that we have that use counterpoint are Johannes de Mertes's Quillebet uh, Affectans, maybe? And also, uh, Philip de Vitry's, uh, he seems to have taught it. We have copies of his manuscripts. 
Um, it seems that he taught counterpoint in his treatise, uh, Kose Maker. So those are the first two examples we have of counterpoint being used. So a problem with a lot of authors and composers back then is that before the 15th century, we don't have a whole lot of good evidence of uh, the composers and authors. It's difficult to find exact dates or accurate locations for their compositions. And so authors would write treatises to kind of help clear up some of the confusion and they would list out the de development of music theory. Uh, just a couple of them, we have Antonius de Leno, uh, Johannes Tinctoris, and we have uh, Guillermos uh, Monacos. And then, so these authors would write down in their treatises the development of music theory. So we have um, a clear lineage of how the, the theory developed over centuries. So counterpoint was founded in, in the medieval ages. It was very prominent and used a lot. So around the 17th century then, its definition began to change. Counterpoint was referred to in the 17th century as a technique uh, of polyphony as a distinction from homophonic writing. So the next conception that is used in this era is the fact that counterpoint was limited to just vocal polyphony. So we never really saw polyphonic music in instrumental music. It was always used in vocal writing. So theorists have also uh, said throughout the 20th century that there's a distinction between both polyphony and counterpoint. They're not the same thing. So they're mentioning that counterpoint is an actual technique while polyphony is a style of music. So that's how you can kind of differentiate between polyphony and counterpoint in your head. So still remaining in the 17th century, uh, we're gonna talk about one of the masters of counterpoint, which is obviously Bach. So Bach used counterpoint all throughout his compositional career. And if we listen to Bach's invention number eight, for example, that's a great example. So I'm going to play the opening to Bach's invention number eight for you. So here we have the first couple of measures. So what we see here is the introduction of a melody. And then immediately following this, we have the same melody, but in a different register. So here we go. And I don't know, you've probably already guessed this if you're a, a good musician or if you just know the terms, but we call this canon. So we have the introduction of a melody followed by another melody, but they enter at different times. So we have a little bit of intertwining here of the melodies, but we don't really hear it as well because they're being played over top of each other. So I'll play the first two full measures of the piece. Here we go. So I don't know if you heard that, but you can hear the clear melody being entered in at the very first point. Now, after this, we have the introduction of the new melody. So the, the melody enters from the right hand first, and then after the, the melody continues, we have the introduction of the melody in the left hand, but it's a little difficult to decipher because we have both melodies being played at different times and entering in at different points. So it's a little tricky to be able to pick up on that, but what I would recommend is going to listen to it and then getting a copy of the scores. You can find one on IMSLP. Um, it's free, woohoo. So just look at it and then you can clearly see the entrances of the different voices in the different lines, but you can always hear that melody. So another example of a great canon, imitative polyphony, 
is Bach invention number, I believe it's four. Invention number four, yes. So go listen to number eight and number four. Those are two very specific examples of polyphony and Bach's writing. Um, and I think you'll be able to get a, a better understanding of counterpoint through that. All right, well, um, I do believe I have covered that well enough. So thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be talking about a composer. Uh, I don't want to reveal any secrets, so tune in again next week, and we'll figure it out from there. See you all again next week.